Let's go back to the test that we are considering, which is uh, Romans 5, verse 17 in particular. Romans 5, 17. The Bible said, For if by one man's offense that reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus. We can overemphasize the key word, which has to do with reigning in life, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness to reign in life. We can overemphasize that. We've established the fact that the Lord intends us to reign in life, not that life is ruling through us. Uh, just like you say, death reign over. Death reign to subdue men. But we reign to express God in every aspect of our lives. Amen? Okay. Now, I want to look at a few examples of people that received grace. Uh, remember, don't forget what we said in the afternoon. And the Lord is working out to establish righteousness in us and through us. And all that righteousness, man, we see the glory of the Lord upon us. And we're talking about Gentile nations coming to us. That God is no longer, or men can no longer call us rejected. That those who have been received and then be married to the Lord. And then again, the Bible made us to understand that God is happy with us. Amen. That was such a good word from the Lord. And don't forget where we started from. In the issue of the triangle, I'm believing that every aspect of your life receive a wholeness. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Every aspect. Don't forget, um, so when Jesus healed these ten lepers, and uh, one of them came back to appreciate the Lord. You know what happened, remember? The Bible says, where are the remaining nine? And then he now said, you go and be made whole. And he got the healing, but he was made whole. Meaning that remaining nine people, they got the healing, but they were not made whole. There's a place for wholeness in your life. Like First Thessalonians 5, 23, we said, the Bible said, the Lord shall preserve you, spirit, soul, and body, blameless. The wholeness. That is what a triangle stands for. All of your being is to receive an impartation of the life of God to be expressed on the face of the earth. Can I hear any man to that? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. Well, Pastor Kavi mentioned this while he was sharing. And I was just wondering if I was going to take off my message. I will have nothing to share. Amen. Okay, but Genesis 6. So permit me to see your scripture, sir. Uh, Genesis 6, verse number 8. Amen. The Bible says, But now know I find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Know I find grace in the eyes of the Lord. What does that mean? If you look at the whole passage of Genesis 6, we need to understand that man's life was completely corrupted. And like the scripture we say or we read, a different version and translation, the Bible says he grieved God. Some say God repented. <laughs> I don't like using the word God repented. Because when you repent, it's like you made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. So I think there are better words for that. Amen? But let's just assume it is so. Why, why did God have to say that? Amen? Why did God have to say that? Because mankind was so corrupted, uh, the, all his thoughts, all his heart is always that of evil. Amen? It was so corrupted. And so... Um, we find that God intended, therefore, to wipe out humanity, uh, just like it was in the book of Exodus, I dare about much later. Find that when the people come to a place, God told Moses, come on, allow me to wipe these people, and let me give you another generation of people. Amen? And the same thing you find in the days of Noah. 
there was so much corruption, there was so much uh, uh, evil that was going on, and God said, well, let me do a cleansing work. So the flood was basically to cleanse the earth, not to destroy the earth. Amen? The flood was meant to cleanse the earth, to get out the wicked people, so that the seed of righteousness, which was Noah, may continue. Hallelujah. And so that tells us something. Now, the Bible says God find grace. I mean, they know I find grace. Remember, for about 120 years, if you look at Second Peter 2, verse 5, you find that uh, Noah was preaching and speaking to people, this is what God has spoken to me. But I think that there was something that, there was a kind of walk, let me put it that way in quote, that Noah walked with God that enabled him to speak to him as to what he wanted to do. And again, like I've explained before now, God is actually not going to do anything in that sense, get it right, on the face of the earth without a man. He will first speak to man. The reason is because he is giving this earth to man. Psalm 115. Amen? The earth has he given to the sons of men. He has given the earth to man. So anytime he wants to do something, he speaks to man. That is why we must come to the place where we can hear God all the time, not just sometime, all the time. Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, I was, I was watching, I just stumbled on it yesterday, my children were putting on TV on this guy. Uh, now I got a prophecy about the shooting that was going to come out in the United States. You know, he described the guns to be used, he described the nature of the person that's going to do the shooting that's older than the children, describe the age of the children, describe the city. Everything accurately he described. It was very perfect in terms of the prophetic word that he gave. I like that. The only problem that I have is, what should we have done to stop the shooting? That is just the only problem I have. The accuracy was very okay. I love every... I was watching it. When he said it and they were playing back the video and then when the news came up and so on and so forth, everything was very perfect. But I believe that if God is speaking to us that way, it is to prevent something. Noah here had what God wanted to do and was speaking for that thing to be prevented. That is what I love. So you see, Second Peter here, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. He was speaking to the people. If we do this, this thing that God said was going to come one twenty years time will be averted. That is the kind of thing I love. God has shown me some things and they have come to happen. I mean, negative things. I don't feel comfortable. The other day I was speaking to my wife. The Lord showed me by revelation one of my sisters was going to die. And then three days time we are called. She's gone. So what use is that? Now she'll go and tell people, oh, God told me. So what, what, what sense does it make? Doesn't make? The guy, the person is dead. And if I have seen it, fine. What should I have done to prevent it? That's my concern. So, here Noah was speaking to people. Now, he find grace. Now, understand something. It was grace that made Noah to know what God was going to do in the midst of his generation. Because the Bible says, Noah find grace in the sight of God. Amen? Hallelujah. He find grace. Now, he didn't just find grace. He find grace, therefore he was spared. From the destruction. Are you getting that? So you find that grace and righteousness are the two things that spared Noah in his days. Are you there with me? Did you get what I said there? Remember, the Bible said Noah was a preacher of righteousness. That means he had righteousness. And then he find grace in the sight of God. Now, because he find grace and he was a preacher of righteousness, these two things, remember what we're talking about. The Bible says that we have the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So what does that mean? It simply means that when these two things, these two factors of God begins to work in your life, you can be delivered, you can be saved in the days of trouble. Amen? So when trouble are on the land, 
you have a shield. What is your shield? Grace and righteousness. You have a shield. I want you to understand it because to me it's very important. Amen? Grace saves you in times of judgment. When things are going wrong, God's grace will speak. Meaning you can live out a beautiful life for God on the earth in the midst of a confused world by manifesting what? Righteousness. It's possible. Is that okay? And one thing again is you find that grace can preserve you not only from judgment but from the corruption that is going on. The way men are living is not necessarily the way you live if you are a grace carrier. Economic meltdown is not a factor that everybody must experience because of grace and righteousness. It's possible, yes, that there's going to be economic meltdown. Somebody was saying that yesterday, I don't know if that is true. Whether I was joke or real, I don't know. That economy meltdown started in South Africa, whatever the case may be. Fine. It makes no difference. The point is, when you walk in grace and write as a gift from God, there is a Goshen for you in the land of Egypt. Because in the land of Egypt, famine was there, economy was failing, there was no food, but there was enough provision in the home of the children of God. Amen? So that's the point. What I'm saying here is if I know I find grace, it got a gift of righteousness, right at his age, he was preserved when things were going wrong. It also means that even if businesses are failing by reason of grace and righteousness, you cannot be subdued. You will still strive when others are going down. Don't you forget God told us in Isaiah 62 and Isaiah 62, he talks about he planting the righteousness, just like a garden. Amen? And there's a springing forth of the righteousness of God in our lives. And it affects everything about us. It can affect your family, it affects your businesses, even it affects your physical health. Because don't forget the triangle is spirit, soul, and body. Equal dimensions. Amen? Number two, dealing with the issue of grace. Noah was persistent and steadfast in faith in his days, despite the pollution that was going on. And for 120 years, he stood his ground. It was by grace he understood the mind of God for his generation. What kept him going? Why is it that he, he didn't lose focus when there was pollution all over the place? Number one, they find grace. And the grace that they found was basically that God spoke to him about what is going to happen one twenty years time. Are you there with me? So grace connects you to the mind of God. And grace separates you from the pollution in your generation. If you truly can understand what grace is. Praise the living God. Now, I want you to capture what I'm talking about because it's very crucial. Is that okay? How come Noah was able to stay for 120 years without getting polluted like those around him? Because he finds grace in the sight of the Lord. So there is something that keeps you intact. The fact that he finds grace also made him now to know the mind of God for his generation. Grace will open the heavens and the mind of God to you. So that you can see things that your generation are not seeing. Praise the Lord. I remember when we were preaching this message, and I'm still preaching it, but when we were speaking about the kingdom of God, I know the kind of attack. When we were talking about no rapture, I know the kind of trouble that I went through. Now, this year, those of you who are current, you heard about the, the Mayan's calendar. Did you hear about that? The Mayan's calendar was terminated on December 21st. And so we have prophecies all over the world that the world is ending December 21st. May I, I didn't, I didn't bother to send him. 
But I got a whole lot of information on what people were doing. So we're selling, so we're buying, so we're running out of the city, going to high because the world is going to end on December 21st. What date is this? Silly things going on. Prophecies. Mighty ministries in, in the United States were proclaiming this. Put it on YouTube and Maya Kalena Maya. I remember one of my friends sent this to me about two years ago. See, when, when you get the mind of God, you can get into the stupidity that's going on in religion. And that is grace for you. So grace is not just success in terms of life. Grace is also that which gives you the mind of God to know what God has to do. Where we are in the scheme of things as far as God is concerned. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why you need it. That's why you have to believe into it. So if you receive grace and righteousness, which is a gift from the Lord, then you must come to the place where God begins to make you see some of the things that even your generation of people cannot see. Now, you can, you, I've just mentioned it, but people went through a lot of horrible things because of the Mayan calendar 20, 24 December that the war was going to end. People went through a lot of horrible things. Amen? That's the thing you need to understand. That God gives you grace to see something. So Noah finds grace in the sight of God, and God could speak to Noah and said, 120 years from now, this is what I'm going to do. Who want the people? Those who believe into you, let them join you, maybe in the ark, whatever the case may be. And then he made a provision. He gave him what to do to protect himself. Now you need to understand that. That in the midst of pollution and corruption and what you call economic meltdown going on in the world, God is going to give you some technology that will enable you to survive in the midst of those troubles. So what did he do? He gave him an ark. The principle for the design of the ark was given to him because trouble was going to come. So God will preserve you when you find grace and righteousness in the sight of God. Amen? It's going to preserve you. It's going to show you things to come. It's going to make you do what you are supposed to do. Uh, just like Maxwell was talking about. When you talk about saving against the rainy day, I think this is the best way to save against the rainy day. The rain ark. Amen? The true rainy day means trouble for people, isn't it? Now here was judgment coming, and God told him to be what? An ark. Praise the living God. And there is something very peculiar about that. You read the scripture, you find that all those who went into the ark with Noah, they were all saved. So me, the grace upon your life shall preserve the people around you. Amen. You are not only going to build an ark, you're also going to become the controller of the ark by implication. But those who identify with you shall be preserved. Praise the living God. Animals could be saved, but men could not be saved. Meaning, in that instance, animals were wiser than men. I'm just talking. Thank you. Turn with me to Genesis 32. But you know, animals behave wiser than the men in the Bible. How many of you remember that <laughs> the sparrow, the sparrow have to build their nest on the altar of God? How many of you remember that? The book of Sam. Why are sparrows building their nest on the altar of God? Because they know that nobody is going to go to the altar of God to plug them down. I know these things. They are there. Amen? Can you imagine what I'm talking about? Do you know there are some birds when they build their nests in people's homes, they don't like to touch them? Have you noticed that? Good. But sparrows home is not just building people's homes. You have to locate the altar of God. You won't go there. <laughs> so they have wisdom. They know where to lay their eggs. They know where to put their nets. I mean their nests so that they can be destroyed. You know. Okay. Uh, Genesis 32, look at verse 1. And Jacob went on his way. Remember Jacob and Esau's story. You know that very well, isn't it? And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's house. And he called the name of that place, My name. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the Lord land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thou shall he speak unto my Lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob said thus, I have sojourned with, the Leb with Laban and stayed there until now and have oxen and axes and flocks and men servants and women servants. Yeah. And I have sent, 
said, you know, all the fathers had all these servants and servants and servants. Hey, hallelujah. Okay. And I sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in the sight. Jacob, are, are you getting that? That I might find grace in whose sight? In that sight. I want you to understand something. Okay. Um, let me read something else. Go to 33. Genesis 33. You, you know, okay. Jacob, um, Genesis 33, are you there? Look at this one. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold. Remember there was the first batch of people he sent, okay? Esa came and with him 400 men. <laughs> are they making meaning to you at all? Are they challenging you? How many persons are in your home? <laughs> all these people were always going with company of people. <laughs> Can you see that? Abraham 318. This one is going with 400. And that's a man that seemingly the blessing was taken away from. See, so he had 400 men. By implication, he was living on a course. But he still had 400 men. Meaning he was still very wealthy. I'll tell you something, man. I don't know. Well, let's read on. And he divided the children unto Leah. Are we together? Yeah. Um, and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he pulled the handmaids and the children foremost. And Leah and her children after go to kill the, the maid first. And Rachel and Joseph in the most. <laughs> oh man, you must not be a maid to anybody. <laughs> they don't love you, eh? <laughs> and he passed up before them, by himself to the ground seven times, until he <laughs> came near to his brother. And they saw around to meet him. And embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept and they lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are these with thee? And he said, The children with God are graciously given thy servants. Then the handmaids came near, they and their children too, and they bowed themselves. And Leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves. And after came Joseph near and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. Man, somebody's going to bow down to you. <laughs> you can't be denied of your rights. Okay. And he said, what meanest thou by all this drove which I meet? And he said, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. What does that mean? It means gifts. Gifts will bring grace to you. How then do we find grace in the sight of the Lord? It is like giving Christ to himself on our behalf. Are you following what I'm talking about? Jacob is going and presenting gifts unto who? Unto Esau. So that he may do what? He may find grace in his sight. Another word he can use for that, he might find favor. Or he might find mercy. Favor they find. Did you get that? So, what are we talking about? The Bible says, <laughs> we have received abundance of grace. Why? Because of the gift, gospel of the Lord that he gave. His one son. Are you still there with me? And from that we now find grace or favor in the sight of God. So grace, which you receive, that's why it is a gift. Right? First of all, God gave you a gift to give, if you will. Put it that way. But God gave his gift. You receive his gift. Now you receive the gift of what? Grace. Hallelujah. You know something? Jacob was pressing on Esau to receive the gift. About 550 animals. From calculation. 550. I want to find grace in that side. Say, boy, you have to take it. Jacob said, don't worry. I mean, Esau. I got it now. Say, don't worry, but you just have to take it. 
So I'm blessed. I'm also blessed. I don't need that one. Praise the living God. I want you to understand it because to me it's very crucial. That if we can believe in the gift God has given, we can receive grace. Amen? We can find favor in the sight of who? In the sight of God. And that tells us like what we read in the book of Isaiah 62. God is not angry with you. He's happy. There's reconciliation because a gift was presented. These are two men that have problems within themselves. But what was going to bring them together? Oh man, take this. Hallelujah. The word present actually comes from the Hebrew word barak, which means to bless. Amen? So one basic thing is this. When Jacob was given this gift, he was intentionally and deliberately wanting to share his words with his brother. But it's same thing I'm trying to say. God so loved that he did what he gave. He was sharing his words. I've gotten all of this from Labor's house. Take some. Like I said from calculation, for about 550 animals that he brought him. What did he give to his brother? Amen? Man, Jesus paid the price. He is the gift God can accept. Let me tell you something. Help me, Lord. Do you know something? When the high priest wants to forgive people's sins, they present the lamb. Listen, it is not the people that God accepts. It is the quality of the lamb that makes him accept the people. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If God wanted to forgive his sins for the people as they go to the tabernacle, that's why he said, when you offer your lamb, come on! Are you getting the picture? The best, let not be the blind or the lame or whatever. It should be a perfect lamb without spot or wrinkle. So when God has set that lamb from you, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus is the perfect lamb. So the fact that Jesus is accepted by God means you already forgiven. Come on now. That is the point. It's not the lamb. I mean, it's not you. It's not the sinner that God looks at. He looks at the sacrifice. Go and read it. When they come to the temple, they, all of them doesn't go up there. It is the animal that they, they, they represent. They show the animal. Give the animal. Is that okay? It means if your lamb is not accepted, your sins are not forgiven. Now God had an alarm for himself. Amen? And the lamb is without spot or wrinkle. Very perfect. In fact, when it was presented, God didn't wink his eye before he picked the offering. He took it. And you who offered it shows that your sins are forgiven. Come on, go back home rejoicing. Because when the people go to the temple to offer the sacrifice, when they are coming back home, they are coming back home rejoicing that God has cleansed their sins. Why do we come to church? And we die. We sin so ahead. It simply means we do not accept and believe the sacrifice that God has offered on our behalf. But it was a perfect lamb. It was a clean lamb. No spot, no wrinkle. Hallelujah. So what do I do? I only need to believe in the sacrifice I've offered. That God offered on my behalf. That was a clean one. And God accepted it. Therefore, my sins are what? Forgiven. I will shout it and say it more and more. Don't let anybody remind you of your past. That, that message is doing a serious injustice to the sacrifice of Jesus. Because remember, the Bible talks about yearly sacrifice the Jews were offering. Is that not true? Good. It means the day they offer the sacrifice for that year, their sins are forgiven. They are clean people. They are righteous people. The next year they come back. That's the difference. But this man offered once and for all. 
Why would somebody now tell you, after you have offered your own sacrifice, as it were, that you should still not be happy or be reminded of your past? Don't forget what I've just said. God does not look at the sinner when he wants to forgive them. It is the lamb that he looks at. If the lamb is perfect, then their sins are forgiven. Are you still there with me? So don't let anybody remind you that your sins are hanging there, your community sins are flowing around you, your great-grandfather's sin is flowing around your dormitory, and your doorsteps. Don't let anybody remind you of that. If anybody brings out, tell them the lamb was a perfect one. And the day God accepted the lamb, everything about my life was obliterated. I should live rejoicing all the days of my life. Right from 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross, everything about my past is gone. Are you see that? When you look on the cross, rejoice. Because that is where everything about you was nailed. Everything. God took them, all the handwritings, then nailed them to the cross. You are free. So here we see Jacob coming and saying, I want to share this blessing, blessing my prosperity with you. And it's the same thing. It was a gift, but the gift contained blessings. Are you see that? Now, God gave us a gift, but the gift carries blessings. Come on, people. Can anybody understand what I'm talking about? Jacob was bringing gift to, 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 to. So these are my blessings. Let's share this gift. And why I give you this, I'm going to find favor in your sight or grace in your sight. Is that okay? And God has given us one beautiful blessing, and that blessing is contained in his gift. God so loved the world that he gave. Out of the abundance of riches of God, the best that he has, with his holy begotten son, he gave to us. He shared his blessing with us that we will now, because it's a one-way covenant situation, we will now experience grace, his favor, and we share those blessings together. Hallelujah. Okay. But you remember why Esau was doing all of this? Number one, he was afraid. Right? Number two, his heart was still pricking him. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Because he took his brother's birthright. So to him, if his brother see him, he's going to kill him. That's why I was separating the people. I made him first. This one come, my, myself and my wife. If they kill your tower, we can reproduce another one. That guy is always very crafty. That's why God had to change his name from Jacob to Israel. Very crafty. Huh? He wanted to use the maid servant as a shield. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Now, you see, Jacob saw something and said, when I saw your face like I saw the face of God, if you read the whole picture, you, you remember that? What was he trying to say? This is one thing. The Bible made us understand if you seek the face of God, you, the day you see God, you die. Are you getting that? Hmm. So now, it's like, well... <laughs> I'm meeting my death, but beside and above that, it is on this phone. You may not necessarily die, but you see God's face and you are blessed. Because remember, he wrestled with God when he was going. And he was blessed. So what he's not saying, now that I saw your face, like the face of God, I am sure of not only my forgiveness, but my blessings. Are you with me? So the gift produces what? Forgiveness and grace. So Jacob is saying, I saw your face like the face of God. Hmm? Meaning, you've accepted me and you've come to the place where you can give me grace. What is the grace the world is looking for now? It's simply forgiveness. You don't understand what I'm talking about? So grace equals forgiveness of your past sins. Praise the living God. Amen. Alright. Let me show you something again. 
Jacob was speaking to Esau and says, spare my life. Amen? When he said, let me find grace in that sight. It's like saying, spare my life. Because I've wronged you, and I know as you are coming, even with these 400 men, you are coming to hunt for me. But please, can you spare my life? Hallelujah. Meaning, grace spares us, and even when we are wrong, and deserves to die. Grace will spare our lives. Did you get this? Because the statement is, may I find grace in that sight? So it's another of saying, Esau, can you please, even with all the wrongs I've committed, spare my life? So when you find grace, you come to the place where your life can be spared anytime, anywhere. Remember Noah, find grace. Was he spared? He was spared. Now Jacob also find grace in the sight of Esau. Was he spared? He was spared. If you find grace, your life will be spared. Hallelujah. You can read Titus again, 2.11. We read that before in the morning. But it's connection to the issue of preserving. Amen? When it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation and appear to all men because men have seen. Why did it appear to all men? Because the word said, All have seen and conscious of the glory of God. Is that okay? So what is going to spare man now is the grace that's made available. So when grace is available, then no matter the sin, no matter the offense, your life can be spared. Hallelujah. Okay. And I also tell you that no matter what happens in the world, because we have grace, we can be spared. Amen? We can be spared. Okay. Genesis 39 verse 4. Genesis 39 verse 4. The Bible says that Joseph find grace in his sight. In the sight of who? Pharaoh. And he served him. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. Hallelujah. It tells us something. That God's blessings and grace are with his people everywhere and wherever they'll find themselves. Remember what the Bible said? It said, Joseph, whatever thing he doed, he prospered because God was with him. Hallelujah. So one of the things that grace will do for you and is going to do for you, henceforth, Is that you will be able to succeed wherever you find yourself. Praise the Lord. Even in the midst of trials, you still be an overcomer. How many of you understand that Joseph was actually in the midst of trials? But grace was he speaking on his behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. Understand something again. By reason of Joseph finding grace in the house of Pharaoh, Potiphar, as the case may be, and the position he came into, other lives were preserved through him. You remember that? Not only his relation came in and got Goshen, we found that other nations were coming and because of his economic principle, they were all preserved. Meaning, by the time you begin to walk in grace, you stand in a position to preserve the life of those around you. Praise the Lord. Grace of God is what leads you to repentance. And this one to me is very, very important because a lot of people boast of how they find the Lord, how they... They cried and the Lord came. How they, you know, the boasting of your religious activities. No, he that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Now I'm going to make you understand that no matter your tears, if God didn't bring you to repentance, you can't repent. Romans chapter 
Let's look at Romans 2. God brings you to repentance through grace. Romans 2, let me look at verse 3. I'm thinking that this old man that I joined that we do such things. Or the crazy things in, in the last two, in the last passages of Romans 1. And doeth the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Verse 4. Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and love suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God Leaded thee toward repentance. It's not because you want to repent. That's why you repented. Hallelujah. And it's all the more reason why you're like the first man to have this morning. Your commitment should be, if I, it should be resolved that you should be committed because for you to have repented, it is God's grace. Then you can frustrate the grace of God but not be active in doing that which is supposed to be done. Hallelujah. If you know that grace has to do with forgiveness, if you know what it means that God forgave you your past sins, the next thing you are supposed to do is to love Him who forgave you so much. If you come to understand that there is nothing of your forefather that are pursuing you today that can destroy you, if you can come to that awareness and begin to walk in that understanding and that knowledge, and you know that somebody did it, why it became so for you, then you should appreciate the man and love him from the depth of your heart. You know how much people spend going to the villages to do all manner of... Huh? Have you seen some posters in town? We must go to your village. Must go to your town. All manner of things. Do you know how much people spend? That is why the like, second message we have this morning. Giving must be factored on the basis of love. Your love for God makes you to give. Your love for God, your love, the understanding. Remember the story, how that, I think when Jesus, I mean that woman that broke the alabaster box, and people said, this should have been sold for so much money. Remember that? And given to the poor. Jesus gave an illustration. So if you have two people that are forgiven, one has heavier sin and the other one, who do you think we appreciate the more? He said the one that is Forgiving the most. Fine. So the value of your love for Christ has to come from how much forgiveness you have received. Because Jesus was saying, the reason why she broke the alabaster box was because she recognized her past. So she gave out of love. And because she could be able to come to the place that this is me, cleaned out, how many of you understand that that woman was supposed to be, as it were, a prostitute? But right from that hour, you can call her a prostitute. She became a disciple of Jesus. Her name changed. Her societal status changed. Everything about her life became something else. So God doesn't just take you to yourself or to himself. He takes you to himself and change your status even in the society. That is why he said you will not be called a rejected. Are you getting this? You need to understand because it's very important. That is why whatever thing you are doing, you do it out of love for what the Lord has done for you. Your repentance is not because you wanted to or because you prayed so much. But it's turned your heart unknown to you to come to him that he might bless you. Amen? Okay, let me give you a typical example. How many of you know who... One was mentioned in the second message or the first one. You know who Peter is? The man that talks, talks. He doesn't take, he doesn't take nonsense from anybody. Huh? Under Jesus, hey, excuse me, excuse me. I know you are the rabbi. <laughs> but listen, now we've left home, left children, left. What is our reward? I want to know. Otherwise, I go back and do my fishing. And Jesus said, anyway, you just keep along. If you've left hundredfold, you're going to get in this life and in the life to come. So, the reward is not where you get to heaven. It starts here. You serve and start from this moment. Is that okay? Alright, so if you go to the book of John chapter 21, you're going to get the story. Um, the story has to do with 
after Jesus died and rose, these guys went back to fishing. Amen? They went back to fishing. And now, they toil all night and they can find nothing. Hallelujah. They couldn't get anything. And then Jesus came and said, Hey, children, you got something on you? He said, No, we don't have anything. It's okay, you cast your net on the other side. And the Bible says, How the net that was breaking because there was a cash. Remember that? You know the story. And what's the next thing that happened? The Bible made us understand Peter ran out of the boat and fell down and said, Go away from me for a man. I'm a sinful man. Is that okay? Hallelujah. You, you know the story. My question is this. What made Peter to repent? Because that statement means he was repenting. What made him to repent? The blessing that came. The goodness of God led him to what? To repentance. He, he couldn't catch fish all through the night. Now for one word from the Lord, he had a neck-breaking experience. And with that alone, he repented. So your repentance is the work of who? Of God. And it's all part of the grace. That's what we're talking about. And don't you forget that. Jesus did not kind of rebuke Peter ever before he blessed him. Amen? Are you there with me? One thing I want you to see from that passage again is God is intended to increase you. Okay, I'm going to give you another one. Maybe you, you catch this. Follow with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Oh. Grace has come to bless you in the midst of your conditions. I want you to know this. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 46. The Bible said they continued daily in one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house. Did eat their meal with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God. And what's the next thing? Having favor. That word is the same thing as what? Grace. With all the people. And look at the next thing that follows. And the Lord added to the church daily so that you be saved. Grace bring the increase to your life and to your church and your business. Hallelujah. Okay, you can just move on to Acts chapter 4 verse 32. I'm tired, I'm told my time is up. But let's look at Acts chapter 4 verse 32. But I want you to take this. Grace will bring the increase to your life. Amen? And I'm looking towards an increase. In all areas. In this year that we are stepping into. Hallelujah. The Lord added. It is the Lord that added. Okay? Acts chapter 4 verse 32. And the multitude of them that believe we have one heart and one soul. Not as they are even one out of the other thing which is he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostle witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was what? Upon them all, not some. So, as we begin to come together, as we begin to knit together, as we begin to share fellowship together, there is a kind of grace that begins to come upon each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Great grace will cause men to favor you. Praise the living God. Okay, let me just give you this last one. Maybe this last one, or maybe this is second to the last one. Luke chapter 4. But grace is going to cause men to favor you. The Bible said they find favor in the sight of men. There were people that were persecuting them, but there were still men that were finding favor in their sight. Amen? And they were growing. The church was multiplying. Why was it multiplying? Why was it growing? Because there was grace in that church. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4. So for church leaders, there is a place for struggling and there is a place to walk in grace. Amen? And there is something I've come to see. Once your church or your life begins to grow, there is never going to be a stop. Do you understand that? It's going to be a continuous one. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. 
The Bible says, And the child grew. Who is the child? Jesus. And what strong is spirit? Filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Amen? Look at verse 52 of the same chapter. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in grace or favor with God and who? Amen. Hallelujah. It means grace can be increased. It means as your grace increases, things around you also come in an easy way. Your life of struggle must come to an end. Hallelujah. You can do little and get much because of grace. Now I want you to understand what I'm talking about. You can work less hours and get much as a reward. Because of grace. You can open your shop once. And you will sell more. I compare to the people opening three times a day. Because of grace. Because there's a way you sell, you discover that what you could be working for three days, you can sell it in one day. All that it needs to be done is God sending one man to have good money to your shop. And by the time the person leaves your shop, you are going back to the market to stock. Grace. Are you still following what I'm talking about? If Jesus lived on this earth with grace, then you can't afford to live on this earth without grace. You need it. So I'm not joking. I'm telling you what life is going to respond towards in you. It's going to respond towards the grace of God in your life. And I want to say this. Favor is on your side already. Because this is grace come meeting. We are declaring what the Lord said should be declared. Hallelujah. Remember in Acts chapter 20 verse 32, Paul made a statement. Say, I commend you to the word of his grace that is able to build you up. That you may have an inheritance among them that are sanctified. By faith. Can you put it up on the board for me? Please. Act 20 verse 32. Let's lead out the last scripture. For me it's very important. And now brethren. I'm speaking to every one of you. I commend you. In other words I'm handing you over. To God. And to the word of his grace. That we are speaking. Which is able. It has dynamics. It has ability. It has strength. What is it? The word of his grace. Which is able to do what? To build you up. And what's the next thing? To give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word of God is able to build you up. So where you are not moving up, now you are going to move up. Because we are declaring the word of his grace. Now I'm not commending you to anybody. I'm commending you to God and to the word of his grace. Which is able. Which has ability. Which has strength. Which has power to raise you from wherever you are. Into who God intends you to be. God bless you.